Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in the series looking at the final week of Jesus' life before the cross and it's called Seven Days. It's part two of a message called The Main Thing as Pastor Sean picks up on the story of Mary and Martha. Martha, who's dealing with a little anxiety. Maybe that's you today. We hope you can sit down and enjoy this message. Maybe it's something you need to hear right now with a reminder of the main thing. You can follow along with the notes and discussion questions for your own Bible study on our media page for the series seven days as seen at reallife.org. Here's Pastor Sean. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Mary's in there. Jesus is the guest, honored guest, friend of the family. But he's an honored guest. He's Jesus. And he's telling stories. He's sharing. He's relaxing. And Mary is at his feet listening. And Martha's in the kitchen getting everything ready. Now, I know none of you would be bothered by that, but Martha was. And she comes out, and with this beautiful smackdown, this is a brilliant smackdown. Because with one phrase, she smacks Jesus and her sister. She calls Jesus uncaring and her sister lazy with one fell swoop. (laughs) Jesus, you don't care, and she's lazy. And Jesus' response is telling. But the Lord answered her. Now, you, you need to understand these are good friends. And Jesus loves her. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. That's the one thing. The one thing. And I I can hear some of you right now. You're like, okay, that story's great and all, but come on, Martha's getting a bad rap, and you're identifying with Martha right now. You're like, well, it's great that Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus and everything, but somebody's got to work, right? We got to eat. Everybody's going to get real hungry if everybody's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's interesting. Jesus never criticized Martha for serving. He never criticized her for serving. He never criticized her for taking care of people. In fact, one of the reasons Jesus probably came to their house is Martha's unique gift of hospitality. What he did point out, he says, Martha, you're anxious and troubled. And there's really one thing. Yeah, but Jesus, people got to eat. Martha, just bring the coal cuts out and put them on the table here. We'll pick as we share. Martha, if this is something God's put in your heart to do to serve, then do it with joy. You know, Martha, we can wait. Come on in and join us and we'll wait. We'll eat later. Or Martha, ask us. We'll all go get it and bring it in. But you're anxious and bothered by many things. She wanted to be perfect for Jesus. She wanted everybody to be taken care of. All these different concerns, which are not bad. Jesus never criticized her for her desire to serve and feed and make things nice for everybody. What he did say is, Martha, don't be so worried and bothered and distracted and anxious. Because at the end of the day, 
there's one thing. And it was sitting at his feet and listening. And understand, Jesus isn't saying that we'll never go do anything else, but I will tell you, everything we do after we've sat at his feet and listened will be totally different. It'll have a new energy. It'll have a new direction. It'll have a different kind of power because we sat at the feet of Jesus and listened before we went off and did all those other things. Because the main thing is to keep the main thing as the main thing. And folks, hear me on this. The main thing is prayer. See, we live in a world that will scream at us 24-7. And you, you know, I mean, I mean that. Maybe it's not a scream unless you're really weird and you have some weird sounds on your phone. But through this phone, a ridiculous number of people have access to us 24-7. So it was bad in Jesus' day. There are a lot of temptations, a lot of busyness, a lot of stuff that could pull on you. 50 years ago, 75 years ago, it was bad in America. Lots of busyness, lots of, a lot of things that people got involved in. It's crazy at this point how complex, how connected, how much access the whole world has to you and I. And in this complex society of ours with constant communication, endless option, a million different causes and callings all screaming at us at the same time, what Jesus is saying is this is the one thing. I want you to hear that. This is the one thing. Do you want to know Jesus? Do you want to please Jesus? Do you want to become like Jesus? This is the one thing you need to know. The main thing. Just keep the main thing as the main thing. The main thing is prayer. Now, Jesus' explanation of the fig tree, I think, teaches us three very powerful truths on prayer. Let me go through that real quickly. The first thing is, number one, prayer is how we enter the Father's presence. Prayer is how we enter the Father's presence. I mean, this is actually pretty basic, It's a little bit of a no-brainer that, well, yeah, that's how we, you know, God is spirit. Those who worship him will worship in spirit and truth. Prayer is the actual logistics of us communicating, of us talking, of us sharing with Father. Do you understand what that means? That means the whole point of the gospel, because that's the point of the gospel, right? Relationship with him. Everything. The cross. I mean, we have the cross here in our church. We wear crosses around our neck. The cross is the central piece of the gospel. Understand, the cross is not the point of the Christian faith. It is the essential doorway through which we must walk to get to the point. Do you know what the point is? The point's relationship with Father. The point is relationship with Father. All of it was to facilitate relationship with Father, which we recognize is carried out in prayer. What Isaiah 59.2 says, says, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. That is a powerful understanding of why sin is so tragic. Sin, we think of sin as, well, it's making God unhappy, and that's the real tragedy, and it is. It's a tra- it's, it is a tragedy. But what that scripture shows us is why it's such a tragedy, because sin causes a separation between us and Father. We were created for a relationship with him. We were created to enjoy fellowship with him. We get this picture in Genesis of of Adam and Eve in the garden, communing with God, talking with him as face-to-face and as friends. And then sin, our sin, our willful disobedience, screwed the whole thing up. And this wall of separation came up. That's what the temple was teaching us. You had to atone for sin. You had to go through the process, and then the high priest, oh, one day a year, could go and atone for the people in the presence of the Lord. And the cross, Jesus did all that. It was all to open up access to the presence 
of the Lord because our sins made that wall of separation. Scripture says every one of us has sinned. All have sinned to fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. It says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why Jesus? Because of his sacrifice on the cross. Look what Hebrews 10, 19 through 22 says. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. This idea of confidence to enter the holy places to the Jewish mind, to the Hebrew mind, would have been unthinkable. Yeah, only the high priest could do that once a year, and they tied a rope around his, his ankle in case things didn't go well. In case there was, we weren't sincere, in case our sacrifice wasn't genuine and it didn't please the Lord, and in case he was struck down, in case the pure, white-hot holiness of God killed him. Do you understand? It's not that God is kind of prudish and he can't hang around sinners because they disgust him. He absolutely loves sinners and gave his life for us. It's that sin cannot stand in the presence of God. God is so holy and pure. Sin is destroyed. You remember when when Moses said, show me your glory, God, and wanted to see God? And God said, you could not stand seeing my face. It would kill you, Moses. He said, what I will do is I will put you in this cleft of a rock, and I will cover you with my hand. And as I walk by, I will let you catch a glimpse of my side. But you could not see my face or you would die. That's the holiness, the white, hot holiness of God. And so the writer of Hebrews writes, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. We're made clean. See, all of this was done. The cross, redemption, all of it, so that we could have access. We could have access to Father. And we could enjoy this relationship that we carry out through this thing called prayer. You understand, God loves prayer because God loves us. He created us for fellowship with him. He created us because he wanted to have meaningful, vibrant, ongoing relationship with us. Prayer is how that happens. The whole point is our spending time with Father, being loved by Him, being transformed by Him, being led by Him into the life we were created for. Here's here's the deal. If you're not growing in prayer, um, you're not growing in your relationship with the Lord. You're not growing in your relationship with the Lord. And this is one of those topics. This is one of those topics that, you know, people get real quiet on. When I say people in general, it's just, I'm talking about you, all right? But I'm talking about all of us. I mean, it's, it's true. People get real quiet with prayer because I, I don't know anybody who, when I say, let's talk about prayer, who goes, oh man, I got prayer down. I'm doing, I'm, I'm 110% on prayer. Most people go, ooh, yeah, mmm, about that. And, and can I just let you in on a secret without you getting up and walking out? I'm one of those people. I love prayer. I believe, I have seen God do crazy things through prayer. I've seen the power of God. I believe in the power of God released through prayer. I believe in how it changes our hearts, our minds, how we enter in relationship with the Father. I believe it is that core thing. And yet, I cannot tell you why something in me resists prayer. And when I say resist, what I mean is that something will happen, and I'll go try to solve it my own way first. And then get to that place where we, we kind of realize, oh, man, I have access 
to the throne room of the creator of all things, and I haven't even talked to him about this thing. I've tried to fix it on my own. And then I get into that stupid phrase that we throw out, and it is stupid, when we say, well, all we can do is pray. How ridiculous is that statement? All we can do is pray. We've done our best, and now roll the dice with the Almighty. I mean, that's really what we're, that's what we're saying. That's, that's, well, that's what's happening when we do that. What it says is something in us. And here's the thing that, that I, I struggle with because I believe in prayer. I've seen God work through prayer. I love times of prayer. Why does my flesh still lead me, and if I'll give into it, to try everything else first and, and then pray? There's something in that sin nature of us that wants to be independent, wants to do it on ourselves. You know, all you got to do is hang around with a two-year-old for a while. You know, hang out with a two-year-old and, oh, remember, you know, I talked about my, my granddaughter, Renly. They, they don't ha- try to hide it. They're, they're just there. They're learning it, discovering it, and they're just trying to, you know, and, and, you know, I'll do it. I'll do it. I want to help. I want to help. I'll do it. Well, that's us without the cool, sophisticated filters that we put on. Something in us wants to just do it on our own, and that's the sin nature. And so we resist and we miss out on one of the great gifts, the greatest gift that Father gave us access into his presence, relationship with him. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church, in this message called The Main Thing, which is available right now on the media page at reallife.org. Just look for the series called Seven Days, where there you can even watch a video podcast of this message and series. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer, but I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message, The Main Thing. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Now, some people say, well, okay, I, I, I believe you. Prayer is important, and I, I kind of like to take it for a spin. I don't know how to do that. How do I pray? What if I don't know how to pray? Well, I just want to say to you, I'm not going to answer that question for you fully this morning, but I can set you on the right path. When, when Jesus' disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray, you know what he did? He said the Lord's Prayer. He said, when you pray, pray like this. And now we have codified it. We've put it in cantatas. We've you know, recited it. And I just want to say, I think that misses the point. I don't think Jesus was giving them something to memorize and recite. Because he told them, when you pray, don't use vain repetitions. I think he was saying to them, when you pray, pray like this. And by the way, for, the, for the, that first century Jewish audience that he was speaking to, the first phrase, when he says, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, they wouldn't even say the name of God for fear of, of blaspheming the, the name of God. 
So when he says, walk up to Father and say, walk up to the Lord, the Almighty, and say, Father. Paul even went a step further and said, Abba, Father, Daddy, the phrase that a, a, a child would use, so intimate, so familiar. Father in heaven, holy is your name. And he taught them to pray and worship him. Begin by acknowledging who he is. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Begin praying for God's will in the different areas and things of your life on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Pray for your needs, the things you need, the burdens you have. Pray for those sick family members and friends. Pray for that thing at work. Pray for that thing with your kid that you're wrestling with. Whatever it is, just bring it to Father. And talk to him like you're talking to your father. Some people are like, well, Sean, it's easy for you. You're a paid professional. And that's true. I am a professional. You probably shouldn't just try this at home. If you want, you can buy my series. You know, Sean prays for you. <laughs> okay, that went over. That's over the top. <laughs> yeah, someone just went... <laughs> You see how ridiculous it sounds. The point is not, the point is there's no professionals. You go to Father and you talk to Him. And you say, Father, talk to Him about your needs. Don't worry about, did I get the words right? Oh, well, that was stupid. God, you know, don't, don't do that. Just talk to Him about all the stuff of your life. Seek His face, seek His will. You know, it'll change the way you read the scriptures. You, You know, we, do daily Bible reading. We have a, a plan on, at reallife.org and you know, all the instruction to help you do daily Bible reading. But when you read the Bible, don't just burn through, okay, got it done, Woo. another task accomplished. It'll change the way you read the Bible because when the Lord, when you see the scripture, and this is the word of the Lord, Lord, what did you mean by that? What do you want to say to me? How do you want me to walk that out? It's that simple. So you say, okay, teach me how to pray. I would say, well, go where Jesus directly answered that question. Go look at the Lord's Prayer and try to figure out what kind of things was he telling them to pray about. And do that. I encourage you, ask an older brother or sister in the Lord, someone who you know and trust who knows Jesus. You know, you want some additional coaching? <laughs> Folks, bottom line, we, we know we can learn whatever the heck we want. Google it. How to pray. There might be some goofy stuff you get there, but I'll bet you could cut through and figure out some good books, some good teaching, some good resources to help you do it. If you want it bad enough, there's no reason to sit and say, I don't know how to pray. The main thing is to keep the main thing as the main thing. And the main thing is prayer. A second reality, prayer is how we access the Father's power. How we access the Father's power. It's interesting what Jesus said. They, they were wanted to talk about the fig tree that he cursed. You know, it's interesting. We never read that Jesus cursed it. He just said, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Now, it died and withered. As a result, but people get all weirded out and Jesus temper tantrum. Why did he do that? He must have really been hungry. He was he was hangry, you know, Jesus. Well, I mean, you know, I've, I've, people people have puzzled over why did I, I think he was giving him an illustration because he talked about the same thing he had talked about the day before in the temple prayer. And he says, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says this mountain be taken up and thrown to the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it'll be done for him. That's one of those scriptures we're not sure what to do with. There is power in prayer. He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe you've received it. It will be yours. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also in heaven may forgive your, you your trespasses. There is power in prayer. Prayer is powerful. It is effective. It is not passive. It is not a cop-out. At least it shouldn't, it shouldn't never be. If you're using prayer as a blow-off, stop it. 
But I got to tell you, one of the most insidious things I've seen in recent years in media, and then even in social media, kind of parroting, is this idea of being critical of people who say, well, I'll pray for you. And so, oh, well, that's an easy thing. Oh, well, that's nothing. Oh, you got to really do something. Got to do something. If we understand the power of prayer, just understand nothing you or I can ever do will be as powerful as prayer. Now, let me just qualify that. When you pray, don't be surprised if Father says, now I want you to go do this. If he begins to direct you and give you instruction of how you can be a part of the solution or how you can serve, how you can minister. But start with prayer because prayer is the most powerful thing because you go to the most powerful one and engage him in whatever it is that we're praying about. To say that, oh, well, prayer is just, that's an easy thing to say. Da, da, da. It is an easy thing to say, but I'll tell you, if, if, if you know people who really pray and they say to you, I'll pray for you, you've been given a gift. Don't ever take it lightly because prayer is powerful. 1 John 5, 14 and 15, one of my favorite passages regarding prayer, says this. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, note that phrase, very powerful. This gives some explanation to some of these other passages regarding Jesus' promises on prayer. This kind of unpacks, okay, this is how that works. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we've asked of him. We did a series, oh, a year or so ago on prayer. And we talked about all, we talked about that, we started with that passage and then talked about all the things that the scripture makes crystal clear are God's will for us to pray for. So that's not some kind of cop out, oh, well, God gave himself a way out. If you ask anything according to my will. Well, it is true. If you just go start saying, well, I ask anything, God, I want you to give me that brand new Lexus. I need that brand new Lexus, God. It'll breathe for your glory. And if God says, yeah, no, not so much. Well, you didn't keep your promise. No, there is a point of saying, no, no, we have to pray in line with Father's heart. And the more we spend time with him, the more we will have that heart. But there are lots of things in Scripture that are plainly stated. God wants you to have this so we know we can go pray for it. God wants us to pray for healing. God wants us to pray for provision. God wants us to pray for our brothers and sisters. God wants us to pray for all kinds of different things, for leaders in the ministry. God wants us, there's all kinds of different things in scripture that we know are the will of God because his word says it is. And we can pray for those with confidence, knowing he hears us and knowing that he will answer. Not always in the way we want, not always in the timing we want, but he will always answer. It's powerful, this gift that we've been given. Prayer fundamentally recognizes his power, because if you, didn't, if you didn't think he had any power to do anything, why would you pray? So the very act of prayer is a step of faith. It is a bold declaration of faith. Jesus said, have faith in God, and then he said, when you pray, Jesus used that picture. Prayer moves mountains. And this idea of praying according to his will, that's a partnership where Father wants to share his heart with us. So I, if you're in a situation at work, I want to encourage you. Before you just go say, God, please work it out like this, A, B, C. Will you take the time to stop and say, Lord, I I want your will. What what do you want to do? And let him begin to reveal to you and then start praying for that. Situation with your kids, situation in your marriage, situation in your finances. Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want to show me? What do you want to teach me? Let God lead in the process. You partner with him in prayer and see if your prayer life doesn't go through the roof. The main thing is keep the main thing as the main thing and the main thing is prayer. Last thing, number three. Prayer is how we receive the Father's pardon. It's interesting. After the fig tree, 
And in that incident, Jesus talks about prayer, and then he throws this in. And it's, you kinda, it's kinda like interesting that he included this. Whenever you stand, this is Mark eleven twenty five. whenever you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who's in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. You understand the, the need for us to give and to receive forgiveness is one of our greatest needs. It's one of the biggest hang-ups. It's one of the biggest burdens of our hearts and our life. It's one of the biggest bondages. This whole idea is he wants to give us freedom. You understand this was a key function of the temple, and it is now a function of prayer, Jesus said. It was a function of the temple. It is now a function of prayer. When you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Remember he said in the Lord's Prayer, Forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. This cleansing, this openness. Remember what we read in Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This is this idea of being free, being made clean. I want to challenge us. This idea of prayer is such a gift. So many of us, are standing at a distance with God because, well, there's sin in my life and I don't know and I don't know that I can go to God until I get this cleaned up. I'm, I'm asking you as your pastor, I'm asking you as a friend, stop it. Stop thinking like that. That misses the whole point of the cross. It misses the whole point of our faith. Scripture says, whosoever will may come. And you're like, you don't know what I've done. I'm like, you don't know how awesome my God is and how much he loves you and how big His grace is, and how complete salvation is in Christ. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message called The Main Thing, or this whole series on the final seven days of Jesus' time on earth, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.